1: Drafting another best ball mania team. That's what we're gonna talk about today or do today on Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretsch, you can find my newsletter, stealing signals at bengretch.substack.com. With me as always is Sean Siegel. You can find all of his awesome work at Rotoviz. You are pumping out a ton of stuff over there, Sean. I just looked through a lot of it in the last couple of days. I am pumping out a lot of stuff I'm sure with how much you're writing, you haven't read all of my stuff, just like I haven't had a chance to read all of yours, although I had an absolute blast reading about this year's Cooper Cup. Sean, we draw the 106 in this underdog draft, which already started. Listeners will know that, that Sean is going to be on the ones and twos, as always. I've had a couple of people refer to it as your strategy to filibuster, which is the perfect way to describe it. Your uh, your your pick, your your analysis strategy that leaves about five seconds on the clock. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm very excited for that. We have so much fun here. How are you doing? Awesome, awesome. We
2: got the draft starting in ten seconds. You mentioned the articles we've been writing just before we got on to record here. You got your piece out on preseason week two. That will be a blast. I had a lot of fun writing my bold predictions after preseason week one. We've been enjoy watching those games i just had the second part of that 2022 cooper cup debo samuel article out today looking at who is going to be debo and that part of it was also fun obviously talking there a little bit about how unusual both of those seasons were we don't expect players to be at that level from the draft slots
1: that they were But at this is why you're year. so fun because even though like so fun to read because even though I mean, I, I I did a whole off-season stealing signals or whatever preseason stealing signals for week two in part because of your bold predictions after week one because it's it's just fun and that's what we should be doing anyway and that's what you're doing with these articles as well like yeah okay they're not gonna we're not gonna have another Cooper Cup and Debo Samuel but if we do it's probably gonna be the guy that you name
2: I hope I hope and we're gonna get into some of that today but then we are disappointed here. And I'm going to use the next 15 seconds, and then give you one second to make a pick. <laughs> but the receivers did go off. We're looking at Austin Eckler here at the 106.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty comfortable taking Eckler, I guess, unless you want to go for a receiver to start. It's all right to get. I, I've, I've definitely come around on Eckler in this spot when the other, when the top five goes as you'd expect. I mean, Isaiah Spiller now looks buried. Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree aren't good. They both played over Spiller in preseason week two. Neither of them ran well. They combined for like 29 yards on nine carries or something. You know, neither of them averaged four yards a carry. They also have, you know, concerns in their passing game, which could lead to Eckler really needing to be relied on again there. We're sort of trending toward, wait, Austin Eckler is going to have another monster <laughs> monster season.
2: Yeah, and I have some Derek Henry at the turns this year, but obviously we're not quite to that point. You can get him a little bit less expensively. I think that in a lot of ways he's a better fit for a half PPR contest. But when we're looking at a back who could have a three touchdown game in Week 17, you know, it's not just upside for the season when we're thinking about these tournaments. It's weekly upside. Austin Eckler, a huge talent. I do think that they're going to find a way to lighten the load for him this year. But as you mentioned, it's going to be a little bit more difficult if they don't have that, like, legit number two guy. And Spiller probably isn't there yet. You heard some mixed reports about his camp. I don't think that he's, you know, doing extremely poorly by any stretch, but he's not ready to really force, not even necessarily committee, but kind of be the the 40% or 35% back. That means that in any given game, especially with as many points as we expect the Chargers to score, I mean, Eckler just has that crazy, crazy upside. And that's what we're looking for. Also, Ben, you and I have talked a little bit about how, I mean, the Chargers aren't the easiest team to play for a team that we expect to score a bunch of points. And so as opposed to having to draft the receivers really early, I mean, we just get one of the best running backs in football.
1: Yeah, it's really nice actually to get a little exposure to them in spots like that. So it's a very convenient tiebreaker when you're drafting a lot of teams. We have... All three of the next tier of receivers have gone by the 112, Diggs, Adams, and Lamb. Derrick Henry does go with the 111, one pick after Cook. Saquon Barkley, who you mentioned, goes to the 201. Najee Harris has gone. Here at the 202 and 203, we have Debo Samuel and Joe Mixon off the board. or a couple picks away. High top receiver, surprise, is A.J. Brown. We haven't seen a tight end go yet. And now Leonard Fournette goes, Sean, would you take Travis Kelsey at the 207?
2: I think you'd have to, right? I've mentioned on a number of our shows that I'm selling him at the price and I like Andrews and Pitts, but if you were to make it all the way to us at the 207, that would be pretty exciting. We watched the Chiefs just score absolutely at will on the commanders, basically without any of their main guys. So I mean, Patrick Mahomes is going to take
1: the (sighs) league apart again this season. So Kelsey does go. DeAndre Swift was the backup plan. He goes at two oh six. I'm looking at Javante Williams, AJ Brown types. Unless you want to go to like T Higgins. What are you thinking?
2: Yeah, I think that Williams, Brown, and Higgins are the guys here. Higgins always kind of fun because there are
1: some League Seventeen elements. Who's your preference? Uh, Higgins is fine if that's what you want to do. I've taken more of him myself. We got to get back to the filibustering. Oh no, Sean. (laughs) So I kind of gave a a two-sided answer there with, with five seconds. Sean went down to get to Higgins that didn't get back to Williams in time. And we got auto drafted Aaron Jones in the second round. (laughs) Javante Williams. But then this is going to be perfect,
2: right? We got a, a little bit of a hedge against ourselves here. Aaron Jones I oh, mean, you get that? Yeah, you get that one pick ADP value. I mean, if you're going to get the 18th overall pick at the 19th selection, <laughs> I mean, that's the key to winning the whole thing, right? We uh, we have two running backs here who can score a lot of points. Aaron Jones was the key to our postseason strategy last year. And the reason, Ben, that he's going so early, despite the presence of A.J. Dillon, another back that the Packers are really talking up, another back who may be among the top 10 in football, is that Aaron Jones has that receiving upside? Again, that plays up a little bit more probably in full PPR formats, but a three touchdown game within the context of that Green Bay Packers offense, that's something else that we wouldn't be surprised at all to see in week 17.
1: Mike Evans, Tyree Kill, Ezekiel Elliott at the turn. AJ Brown does go at 303. Once again, we're two picks away. T Higgins still there. I'm DJ more over Mike Williams. You've put uh, Mike Williams in. Oh, we have the Eckler bet. So you're thinking Chargers. DJ Moore goes. Higgins sits there at three hundred five. He makes it all the way back to us. Now I'm so mad that we didn't take Javante because this team would be so fantastic. Sean, is this your first share to uh, of Aaron Jones? It is number number one share. So I think it's my first share as well. <laughs> I have not drafted him yet either. I mean, maybe we are just too out on him. And and Eckler Jones is actually a pair of guys that we don't draft a ton. Starting off with Higgins as our wide receiver one in the third is actually very exciting. He also could have considered Andrews maybe in the second round. You know, Kelsey had almost made it to us. You hope sometimes to see Pitts come back in the third. Obviously, he had the long uh, long reception in preseason week two. Those days might be gone. He did go in the second round. So the top three tight ends were all off the board. We started Eckler, Jones, Higgins. I like your optimism. You are the eternal optimist. Jones is very much a player who can have the one-week ceilings. And not really somebody that we think is bad or anything. So it's more just an opportunity cost thing. Not the end of the world to get a little diversification here. It's tough. He's a 28-year-old back. He has the efficiency we like. He has the receiving profile we like. But – there are reasons to not necessarily be on Aaron Jones in the middle of the second round, which is, you know, the the price is what ends up being the issue for if anyone's wondering why haven't we drafted a lot of him, It's just, it's purely price related.
2: It is, but I don't think that you can necessarily go wrong by taking the best talents in the NFL. And he does stand out as having really confirmed his talent level compared to some of the backs and some of the other players who are in that range on the expectation of getting a little bit more volume, I like to have some shares of players like that. I mean, you can play that through A.J. Dillon less expensively, but it's still really expensive to draft Dillon. So from that perspective, you might as well get a share of Aaron Jones early on there. That's definitely not going to hurt us. And it could even introduce some sort of weekly floor and balance to this team. I really like our chances of, of making it through with this roster, even just three players in. Then we're now two picks away Some names in the queue and not necessarily in the order that we're going to draft them. although if I'm not faster at the wheel, that may be the order. (laughs) Marquise Brown, Brees Hall, Jerry Judy, Deontay Johnson.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty excited about all. My pick would be Deontay. I got very excited about his preseason week two. Four targets, only had two catches, but they went a little bit more downfield. I think he had like 33 yards on those two. He had two more catches called back by penalty. One was a TD. Six targets and a half. Looked like both quarterbacks primary number one option no concerns with his target profile I do really like Marquise Brown as well understand that uh Brees Hall I could see as well but we already started with two running backs so probably and he does go actually Hall so we're looking at the the receivers 0.5 PPR maybe maybe Johnson's not as strong of a play as Marquise What, what you you can definitely make break the tie here
2: Well, I was going to say, what do you think about Judy? This is a spot I haven't gotten him a lot. I am high on him. We could risk Deontay Johnson coming back through when he probably doesn't make it. Let's go for our guy there. We've been talking about him, how we think that he could be this year's Cooper Cup. Now, anyone who is looking for spoilers, he's not the player that I selected in my article. It's not the exact same thesis, but as you mentioned Deontay Johnson getting open, looking great. And Ben, it seems a little bit strange to me. The price on Johnson continues to fade or at least not rise, even though, I mean, Kenny Pickett has been, you know, he got this slow start to training camp and I think that everybody soured on him and the prices are not adjusting for the fact that he looks pretty good. We'll probably take over the offense a month in and this offense is actually going to be better than it was last year.
1: Yeah, I love that. I, I was definitely comfortable with you going Judy there. Uh, we got to get back. Ever since I called you on the filibuster thing, we're a little out of sync. Uh, <laughs> and, and for anyone who's listening and going and still wondering how we got auto-drafted, we had just gotten started. We fire up our, our recording sort of as a draft starting. Sean wasn't using the queue quite yet, which you know happens in the first couple rounds. So Aaron Jones was just the best, in, best available. But Again, the shot one- has s- I mean, has since. Ha- What's that? <laughs> you you have since had plenty of people in the queue, every pick, <laughs> to make sure that we don't wind up with another one. This is a fun team so far. I'm I'm totally content with the the Aaron Jones pick. We get Higgins and Deontay. I think that's a really fun one-two punch for a. I don't know what the names are for the the strategies anymore. But double anchor build. I don't know what what do you call it.
2: Yeah, double anchor, and Bjorn Ian Barnett has a great article out on how to maximize your underdog win rates. When you do do that double anchor, start using our underdog tools. Then we have 20 seconds, and Juju has made it to us here at the 54. His ADP is 48 overall. We were talking about him being another guy who could really surprise this year with the upgraded quarterback.
1: I'm comfortable there. I would also go to Dobbins who you have in our queue if you want to go there and make it a hyper-fragile. Let's go, Juju.
2: So we take him. I the kind of funny thing with Dobbins and then I'd be interested to hear if if you've had any of these similar experiences he's the player that I talk about the most of any player this season I do have some anxiety related to that because obviously if you miss on your highest profile players it is going to hurt your return for the season I think we had the news today which I think was expected all along but I do see people continue to draft Gus Edwards but he he goes on Uh, the list, right? So he's going to miss the first month of the year. But since Dobbins slides all the time, I find myself really daring ADP in a lot of these drafts. And when I go through and look at my exposures, I find out that my roster percentage isn't quite as high as I might have expected, but I I do have quite a bit. Ben, do you have a player that you have ranked way above ADP, and yet, because of that, you really push it in drafts and actually are
1: not getting him as much as you had expected. Oh, I probably have multiple players like that, that I would. Deontay is one that I, I feel like I'm very high on and not getting enough of. And so I'm, I'm really glad to get him here. I haven't got as much Amon Ross St. Brown as I want to get. And I, I do really like him. I still think he's the best after Waddle year two breakout profile. I I I am pretty excited about him. I understand the optimism for Bateman. I understand the optimism for Elijah Moore, probably more so from Moore. But, I mean, I just – I'm getting excited about Aminra. Probably too much. There's got to be several more. A lot of my drafts have looked similar so far this year as well. Similar draft areas, similar draft slots, draft areas. A lot of 105s, 106s. We've done the 104s, you and me and then a lot at the end of the first round. I feel like I'm drafting from the same pockets very frequently. Ben, you mentioned Amon Ra, Elijah
2: Moore. Those two players, obviously Amon Ra, number one in finals advance rate in this tournament last season among receivers drafted between number 100 and 200 in ADP. Elijah Moore, actually number two in points, contributed to starting lineups which you might not expect because he only had eight games last year where he played in 50% of the snaps. He has absolutely immense upside. We're two picks away here. There were some quarterbacks falling, but Patrick Mahomes finally goes at the 602. He would have been especially interested with Juju as our previous pick, but he's gone. Trey Lance goes 603. Jalen Hurts still here. The three kind of interesting receivers, DK Metcalf, who is 10 slots below ADP, Elijah Moore,
1: Brandon Ayuk yeah i'm comfortable with any of those i, I really like all four of these picks hurts i understand the pressure on but metcalf is also just such a nice play against adp darren waller still sitting there in the sixth round
2: and that would be a way to go as well we didn't take i mean one of the elite tight ends in the first couple of rounds we almost got kelsey obviously we would have been looking at Pitts.
1: is, is that the direction you want to go i i'm very comfortable with waller metcalf more or Ayuk, as he said. I mean, I think they're all very strong picks at this range. Well, Waller goes to us there, pick 67. His ADP is 51. He does miss practice today. And right behind the Waller pick, Metcalf and Elijah Moore do go. They were both good values at that point. So, an interesting dynamic there, where you had players that you like and they're at, you know at good prices, which we're always talking about being price conscious. We had we had our options there for sure.
2: We really did. What What's the range where you would like to see Metcalf Hut? We joke about it from time to time. Listeners know that Ben is, there in Seattle, is at least a marginal Seahawks fan crushed by the Russell Wilson trade. I've been joking with you about how Seahawks fans are reacting to the season. And you finally did message me the other day saying that uh, some of your buddies had chimed in and said, you know what? We don't look very good in the preseason.
1: Yeah. Prior to that, I said, you asked me what people were talking about. I said, they're not talking about it. (laughs) Seems like no one cares. The Mariners are the talk of the town in Seattle. At least they're exciting now. But I did, after after the uh, second preseason game, did get some notes that, yeah, just kind of look bad. Yeah, we're going to be in for a fun season out here for the people who aren't as connected and are, you know, kind of expect our team to be good because the Seahawks have been pretty good for a while, obviously.
2: So then flying back around and the top two guys here Joe Burrow, Devontae Smith. I love Smith, want to get more of him. He's one of those target guys to try and get the exposure up. But we have Higgins and Burrow as a couple spots
1: below ADP. Those that give us a chance to get our first QB in the window. Both of them are good picks. Another classic Sean filibuster on the board. We, we gave in a
2: full eight seconds there. He only takes three of them and doesn't make the pick. But I select your Burrow. <laughs> so. Well, last time I tried to talk through the pick with eight seconds, I, it took me 20, which was the problem. <laughs> last time I gave you eight seconds, you named all three guys as possibilities, and then I did blow it. So. <sighs> But, you know, the the team is, I mean, this is is looking like the dream draft. Then we have Joe Burrow to go with T. Higgins. Good values on both of those guys. They're both below ADP. We have the double anchor start with Austin Eckler and Aaron Jones. Again, I would mention Bjorn's article if you want to figure out how to take double anchor and then turn it into a dominant approach as opposed to merely kind of playing along and, and painting by numbers or letters or whatever the phrase is there. We have Darren Waller. More than around below ADP. Also a good ADP value on Juju Smith-Schuster. We've taken a couple of players where, uh, you know, drafters are maybe a little bit skeptical or are concerned because there are some injury things in play. But I think at these prices, Juju and Darren Waller are very good risks. I haven't seen anything to indicate that it's much more than the teams trying to make sure very important players are ready for week one.
1: Yeah, that's sort of my read on that as well. Um, Devonta Smith does go at 8.01. I was kind of getting excited that he might come all the way back around. A couple interesting picks to close out the seventh round. We have in our queue one player from each position, Ramondre Stevenson, Tom Brady, Sky, Moore. You've added TJ Hawkinson, who you keep trying to get our exposure
2: up to. Hawkinson is another guy where I actually don't have quite as much as I was looking for. His ADP at 92 is flagrantly absurd. You can check that out in the stealing signals tool. You can see how his route profile compares to the guys who are going many rounds earlier. But he is so inexpensive that I find myself just passing on him because if I don't pass, then you end up with like 70, 80%, which obviously you don't want. Is he someone you feel comfortable with here?
1: But we can close up tight end early. I'm I like that strategy in best ball. Certainly there's a little bit of concern with Waller's health, as you noted. I think with Waller, we have certainly a lot of upside down the stretch, but at least some question marks about how healthy he's gonna be early. If you know he, he's gotta do something for us this year. So if he does, you'd think that's more take, you know, weighted towards the middle to the later part of the year, but it might make sense to then have another strong tight end on the roster to help carry us for a little while. Drafter ahead of us times out and takes Ramondre Stevenson, who was our top running back option. Rashad Penny has gone several running backs gone. I think it's Hawkinson pretty clearly, unless you want to go trailing Burks, but I think we
2: can try to push that. Yeah, I think he might come back around. I mean, he he made a good play in some of the joint practices last week, but then immediately got hurt. So that was unfortunate i do think he played some in the preseason game but the notes were that he was that
1: yeah people were concerned that he was playing uh in the fourth quarter he also played in the first half he had a his first target came i think in the second quarter the way i saw the titan stuff was just that they were rotating like they're just doing it differently than other teams where a lot of other teams are playing their first teamers and their second teamers and their third teamers and i think people are trying to Fit that into what the Titans are doing. But the Titans used – I mean, Burks ran with the ones a decent amount. He also played into the fourth quarter. Uh Hassan Haskins was buried behind Julius Chestnut, or that was the story after preseason week one. He came in second behind Dontrell Hilliard in this one. Then Chestnut played. Then Haskins came in some more. So you had some of the same type of thing at running back where they were more just like this is the amount of reps we want to get guys, but we want to get them reps with different teammates and different looks and rotate give everyone an option or you know an opportunity in different parts of the game. I wasn't particularly concerned about seeing him in the fourth quarter the way that I saw that game unfold for them. I was certainly watching for it, having heard the negative, you know, immediate responses about Burks playing in the fourth. But on my watch back, I, I wasn't concerned. Yeah, and another name who got a little bit of
2: that same treatment. And also there was some concern about Albert O playing a huge chunk of that Broncos game. I mean, these are some guys who you know haven't played a ton. I, I just think teams you got to balance that risk reward, but it is helpful to to play a little bit. You mentioned Hassan Haskins; he's looked good as a pass catcher in both of those games. I think that's the bigger story than exactly where he's playing in the rotation. Because if that dude at two twenty eight can catch passes, he's got a ton of handcuff upside. Burks does come back to us, a player we could take a little bit early. Derek Carr. I like with Waller, especially that's the reason I didn't push for Tom Brady. But I mean, we we've kind of set
1: this up to take Burks. Yep. I think Burks is the move here. He's still the most the the biggest upside profile in that passing game. I, I do think there's you know reason with his injuries and in, in slow August to be concerned about his early production, but you have to look at it like first of all, he's a first-round pick, second of all. There's not a ton of threats. Obviously, Robert Woods is there, but not a lot of a lot of playmaking ability in this passing game in a way that it's gonna prevent him from playing when he is ready. I think he's gonna get plenty of opportunities to be a, a difference maker for them. They need him to be one. So where are we at, Sean? Let's, let's do a quick recap as we are finishing the ninth round. We have Joe Burrow. We have a one-two-four-two build right now. Joe Burrow, Austin Eckler, and Aaron Jones. Burks was our fourth receiver, Higgins, Deontay, Johnson, Juju, and Burks. We have both of our tight ends covered with Darren Waller and TJ Hawkinson. We're going to need to keep building out, certainly both running back and receiver. But with the one QB being Burrow, wanting to try to get two QBs in the window, I do like the car option with Darren Waller on the roster. We're hoping to see if he can make it back around as we hit the 9-10 turn here. Garrett Wilson in the queue. There was talk about him being fourth uh, in his depth chart because all of Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, and Braxton Berrio sat. They designed, basically designed a little rollout right to Garrett Wilson to get him a catch on the first play. He made a nice catch a little bit later on a throw that was too far inside, should have been thrown to the sideline. He got up and made a nice, you know, aggressive catch on a play that frankly could have been an interception if the defender was paying more attention. I thought he looked good. And like you said, some guys just need reps. That was my exact write-up on Albert O as well in my preseason stealing signals. He Albert O got a target in all four quarters. People are upset that he caught a pass in the fourth quarter for 26 yards. It was a great play in the fourth quarter. He got up in one-on-one coverage and made a nice play. He also caught a ball going out of bounds. The throw kind of drifted him out of bounds over the shoulder. Another downfield throw as sort of like a split out big bodied outside receiver, multiple plays of like 20 air yards or more uh, on the sideline, which is, I mean, that's a good thing to see from your tight end. And and part of the Alberto play is that this guy's a talent-based play and we have, uh, you know, a whole season to, to see whether that can manifest. It doesn't have to manifest in week one necessarily, but not concerned about him playing the fourth quarter either to, to piggyback off your comments. He was playing, in all four quarters and got targeted in all four quarters.
2: And you can pull up the ceiling signals tool. You have that, all that data charting from sports info solutions. One of the things that I mentioned recently, Alberto more targets per route run last season than Cortland Sutton, who is going in the third round. Then Derek Carr comes back.
1: Let's do it. Yeah. Let's lock up our QB Garrett Wilson's there as well. We do need receivers, but we're going to have to, you know, you got to make decisions. We have Darren Waller. It's a good stack. You're a Derek Carr guy. After ADP, I can let you have Derek Carr. Now,
2: seven picks below ADP. So now, I mean, now it's game over, right? A couple of other fun players in this range, Rashad White. We had a a little bit of a, a rough and tumble during our really exciting Chasing Stolen Bananas main event draft where we sort of broke down the pros and cons of Rashad White. He's somebody I would love to have here. You mentioned Garrett Wilson and and those other guys sitting. Immediately after that game, Blair Andrews and I received a dynasty trade offer of Wilson for Marquise Brown. We accepted that fairly quickly. I have Wilson, I think at wide receiver 13 and Brown at wide receiver 26, Wilson also. In recent drafts, obviously, you're not necessarily getting a huge volume of startups in the RV Triflex like this last week, but Wilson's still going ahead of Brown. I think that, not that that's necessarily going to pay off, and uh, our league mate may be the big winner of that trade over the first half of the season, but I think you want to stay young and you want to stay with that great upside. Uh, I enjoyed watching those handful of plays that we got to see from Wilson. I think that especially, and this is kind of one of the fun things you do get in these uh, specifically you know, training camp situations sometimes. Then the reports are that Joe Flacco is ready to lead another team to the Super Bowl, this time the New York Jets. I mean, if you've got Joe Flacco, you want to get as
1: much Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson exposure as possible, I think. Yeah, absolute (laughs) no-brainer. We're one pick away at pick 125. Wilson's ADP is 117. He is still sitting there. Looks like the pretty clear pick to me. If he does not go, he did go. That's what we call a snipe in the biz, folks.
2: So the other player there I was going to actually make a pitch for, even though he's not as expensive. But then our guy, Romeo Dobbs, and I guess we're changing the pronunciation again, or at least getting it right. But um, he's here at this ADP and has been unstoppable.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, absolutely in on that. I was uh, daydreaming about all the touchdowns he's going to score. Sorry about that, but he did have a, 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 a couple of drops, a bad drop in, in preseason week one. Another one where the DB basically wrestled the ball out of his hands for a pick, but scored in that game was open downfield multiple times, and then in preseason week two, once again, open, frequently didn't have as many. Didn't didn't have a drop. I don't think. Um, scored again on a basically just a fade, right? Good catch in, in short, short touchdown looked a lot like a Devonte Adams play. It did. And one of the things when we were writing
2: up all of our draft Romeo Dobbs as a discounted, basically any player, I mean, just if you don't get who you want, draft Dobbs, uh, his GPS times at the senior bowl, Were extremely impressive, much more athletic, I think, than people were giving him credit for. It's crazy to think that a player drafted where he was drafted and a small school prospect like that goes to the NFL and then that dude is open the minute he steps on the field.
1: I mean, he's just, he's open every play. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm continuing to just be very, very excited about him. Trying to get calibrated with it like week 17 correlation, all that. So I've I've been drafting a lot over the last week, mostly all on FFPC, main offense. So we have the Raiders stack. We have the Bengals stack. Isaiah McKenzie just went. We don't have any Bills or 49ers. Probably get a little bit more correlation into our roster. Yeah.
2: It definitely if if it plays that way for us we've got some guys who are going to be pretty good fits and at pretty good prices coming up here one of the things uh that we do have to do or we might consider you draft that third tight end and it gives you yet another out in week 17 and in this case we got to get two guys we love since we were doing the pod as opposed to you know focusing in deeply we do have two players with Week six buys so at that position i would prefer not to take a zero so that's something else we can look at. But White is here at 126. I mean, we're at the pick 139, his ADP 126.
1: Easy, easy. Okay. Easy pick for me there. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the Bucks led the NFL in high value touches. My fun stat about receiving and, and touchdown scoring potential for running backs led the league by a good margin last year. I think it was about the same margin as from second place to like ninth place in that stat. You'd expect them to be high again because you're talking about Tom Brady being there, throwing to the running backs, probably going to carry over. You're talking about an offense that's going to score points. Those green zone touches going to be there in this offense. Leonard Fournette came in overweight, did not look explosive at all in the preseason. They gave him a lot of work. Kind of weird for a veteran. It was almost like, we want to make sure you can handle some work. I, I don't know. I was wondering who their 300-pound like seventh-round
2: or undrafted free agent running back was that they were trying to get some snaps in
1: there, and then I discovered it was Leonard Fournette. It was Leonard Fournette. <laughs> it wasn't promising. I'm, I am know that I'm, you know, the, the role's fantastic for Fournette, too, but I'm out just on talent and efficiency concerns on him, which makes it even more fun to make bets on Rashad White we are now at a 2-3-5. Two, two build. You have Albert O at the top of the queue. We were just talking about still being kind of excited about him. We also have Wandell Robinson in the queue. Unfortunately, even with the like main starting receivers for the Giants not playing, he was used a lot like Rondell Moore last year. He caught three passes right by the line of scrimmage. They were throwing downfield to Colin Johnson and, what is it, David Sills. We're back on the clock. What are you thinking? Albert O goes one pick ahead of us. Maybe Michael Carter for our fourth running back feels like the sort of the best player in the queue right now. That would be a way to play it. We will have probably some
2: other running back options. Russell Gage is way below ADP and because he's okay. out.
1: Uh, Go do we it. like that at all? Sure. Yeah. We took uh, Rashad White. Now we got a little Tampa Bay. I don't know. Correlation. Hornet gets hurt the pass catchers get hurt, Rashad White and Russell Gage are the guys you need from Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay plays
2: Carolina in week 17. So, if DJ Moore lights us up, at
1: least we have somebody coming back. Yeah. And and when you say a little bit below ADP or whatever you said, we got him to pick 150 i believe his adp what was his adp 117 scroll down over there for me real quick yeah it's it's 120 it's a good thirty picks. so we took him 30 picks after adp if you get russell gage two and a half rounds after adp that's when i'll sign off on it and we've been skeptics right and especially you add julio jones to the equation and
2: julio jones really takes out both mike evans and russell gage in terms of anywhere close to they were being drafted But Russell Gage was supposedly having a fantastic camp before Tom Brady leaves, before he has the injury that he's now sitting out to protect himself from, you know, at pick 150, it's a very different story than in round six, round seven, round eight, where he was going a month ago.
1: Yeah. And it seems like, I I don't love him necessarily down the stretch. He could still, you know, make some plays and have some splash weeks, but I think If they're fully healthy, he's probably their fourth receiver, right? But he's the fourth receiver in a good passing game. It does seem like if Godwin comes on slow at all, we could at least get a good first month out of Gage a little bit. And again, at at pick 150, I'm willing to have this conversation. I was not necessarily willing to have this conversation when Gage was going, like you said, in the single-digit rounds for a long time. When we have Traylon Burks and we're concerned about the start, when we have Romeo Dobbs and we like him, but Aaron Rodgers is saying, I'd like to see Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb start, Although he's also said, you know, Dobbs is going to be relied on to play based on how well he's done in camp. Gage's, you know, potential first month gets us off to, could, could help get us off to a good start.
2: Definitely could. You like to have a little bit of that balance. I mentioned in one of my recent articles about a broken rules draft where I went in and, and did break all the rules and was still trying to put together, obviously, a good team. One of the things you are looking to do is at least balance rookie and veteran upside in the late rounds of wide receiver a little bit because you don't have that optionality to replace your losers in best ball like you have in redraft obviously in our main event then we selected a lot of rookies because you can replace them if they don't do what you need to do and you're expecting to churn your roster at least to an extent i don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here but we're now two selections away and michael carter is still there this is another guy where we could benefit a little bit from the team having a disappointing preseason game and just the the overall narrative around the team, not being that positive or optimistic right now.
1: Yeah. And he made it all the way back. Love it. Smash that draft button. If you ask me another guy, we get here 17 picks after ADP at a, at a really nice discount. I mean, obviously in these later rounds, you're going to get some, some pretty wild variations, but, Michael Carter in the 14th round as our RB4. And again, you talk about fit. We had Rashad White. Rashad White might have a little bit of a standalone role if Leonard Fournette, you know, can't get through a full game, but there's a possibility he's he's more of a pure handcuff. Carter, I think, looks likely to have some standalone value in addition to, you know, some potential handcuff upside if something were to happen to Brees Hall like to get that texture to the running back room in the later rounds. We obviously started with two early studs, so we don't need too much additional, you know, standalone value, if you will. But Eckler, Aaron Jones, Rashad White, and Michael Carter now. It's a really nice build. And and White and Carter both at least 10 picks after ADP. Knowing we had those two sort of anchor running backs waiting for the right opportunities to build out the running back room definitely fell nicely to us it did i like again like you were saying the balance that this roster has
2: and then especially the two quarterbacks in the window but in the window also with receiving weapons that could give them even more upside at the crucial weeks we have fallen into a little bit of a situation here where wide receiver is going to dry up we have four picks remaining you get into pick 15 or into the round 15 range and underdog and it can get pretty dark at receiver, especially now that Tyquan Thornton is injured. Then Paris Campbell, Will Fuller, Noah Fant,
1: Jared McKenna, who who do you like? Paris Campbell's a good call. Um, Did Robbie Anderson go to your Carolina Tampa Bay comment? Let's, let's take Campbell.
2: So the Colts have been a team where all of the receivers have impressed compared to what expectations were. We're now getting Michael Pittman as potentially the new wide receiver superstar in the NFL, but Alec Pierce has held his own as a potential rookie starter and Paris Campbell has come back from these injuries and the team has been very impressed. Matt Ryan's arm strength is more or less gone, but this could be a team, especially when you can rely on Jonathan Taylor that maybe doesn't need to have that elite arm strength. Obviously we've seen players you know, who are probably better at their peaks, but players like Peyton Manning and Kurt Warner lead teams when they could barely throw the ball across the line of scrimmage. Is this a situation where all three of these guys can beat ADP or will we fall out
1: and almost certainly it'll just be two of the three? I guess I, I would be skeptical because of the way that they've used their receivers and their tight ends in the past and sort of rotated and the way that I expect both of the running backs to be involved in the passing game. They've talked a lot about Hines being involved. We know that they're gonna need to to rely on Jonathan Taylor probably more than they want to. They keep talking about how they're gonna limit his touches, but you get into the flow of the season and you realize you need to win games, and you have a player who is, you know, your best player pretty clearly. You're gonna you're gonna find ways to get him the ball. I would expect that. At most were, you know, we're kind of winding up with two. That's sort of the the hope with Campbell that he becomes this clear second. It could just be Pittman and a lot of meh behind that. I thought it was interesting. I've heard a lot of people talk about Mo Cox finally having upside. I mean, I think, first of all, if he was going to have real playing time and routes upside and production upside, he probably would have already done it when Jack Doyle was the only thing in his way. Uh, but I thought it was interesting their first play of their second preseason week two game, they went with a tight end screen to Kylan Granson. And then he's been getting good reports. I would take him over Moeley Cox, but I probably wouldn't take either. Seems like they'll use both tight ends a little bit as well. It's going to be a team where they're going to spread things around a bit. But if Campbell's good, I mean, we basically just don't know if Campbell's good. I think his career high is like 120 routes in a season through three years. I mean, he's not been able to stay on the field and play more than just like a couple games worth of routes. That's, That's essentially two games, 120 routes. So, Yeah, and and
2: he came into the NFL as a pretty sneaky, interesting prospect. My only question for him would be that even if he does hit, is it going to be a little bit more in that Rondell Moore as a rookie, hopefully not Rondell Moore in 2022, that Wondell Robinson type of role that you mentioned, does that really work in a half PPR even late? Now that part of it is tricky, but there's some opportunity there, and he's a very, very good athlete. I was hoping that Fant would make it back to us. His ADP was 176. We're picking here at 187. He goes three picks before, although after Moali Cox, who also went off the board there. we got a lot of players with ADPs now in the 200s that we're looking at. I guess I'm still pretty optimistic about David Bell, and we might want... Uh, the balance here between a receiver or a running back is is tricky.
1: Yeah, I, I think I would go McKinnon though. I think he's a fun way to play the Chiefs right now. If Rojo really does get cut, Pacheco did not look particularly good. He got four carries, two catches, didn't look great. I thought, and you tell me if you notice this, Washington Chiefs, but there was a play where it looked like there was a hole to the right side of the line in the red zone. He ran basically right into the middle left of the line, and Mahomes started pointing a little bit. I don't know what he was pointing at, but I think he was saying – that's where the hole was (laughs) kind of indicating that, that Pacheco didn't make a very good read and just ran right into the line. McKinnon had an explosive play in the passing game on the sideline on his only touch. It could have been, you know, we didn't see a lot from McKinnon, but he came in second after CEH. If CEH is not good, which is a, a concern, if Pacheco's concerns in with real production at Rutgers are not just because everything at Rutgers sucked, but he can't really manifest his size and speed, which does show up in the early off season and people talk all about, but that's because, you know, you don't even have pads on necessarily. I mean, we might be heading right for a scenario where this three, if if Rojo gets cut where there's a three back situation and McKinnon is the clear best fit for what they want to do. Like they've realized sort of in the playoffs last year.
2: And from week 18 to week 21, McKinnon averaged 16 points per game. And that play that you mentioned, where he picks up that third down along the sidelines and is off to the races, that was exactly what he did through that stretch. It was the first time, you know, really since they lost Kareem Hunt. And Damian Williams did have a stretch there uh, in one of their playoff runs as well. But they looked like they actually had a running back who could make plays. Even though, again, with the half PPR, someone like McKinnon probably isn't as exciting. I think that you have to bet on the one guy who actually looks like he can play football out of this running back group. We're back around. We have 15 seconds. David Bell, Eno Benjamin... I think maybe the top two interesting picks, although haskins, Evans, fuller, also here.
1: yep, those would be my top two picks. i I'm not paying enough attention to no receiver or running back receiver i i would I would have went eno in a vacuum, but David Bell is the pick makes sense because we did need another receiver, right? Where are we at? numbers wise. We got up to eight there and we
2: took the and with the r b r b start, I do like to get up to eight i'm okay now just taking the zero in that week six situation for the tight end i mean you don't want to draft a position just to just to draft it the number of points there don't balance out for you know getting rid of a a roster spot although i do have to say at this point that if we don't like anybody else that we could pick i wouldn't be against selecting isaiah likely with our 18th round selection
1: yep that is an option there's a lot of running backs still here. We have five right now. Yes, we have five. The guys in the
2: queue for the listeners are Eno, Benjamin, Ernest Johnson, Hassan, Haskins, Chris Evans, Amir Abdullah. I, I was just looking at this because, I mean, I don't think that these guys are the same athleticism level they were, but Chris Evans is like a, a 98th percentile guy in a lot of the athletic elements. Amir Abdullah came in. I believe as a 98th percentile player in both explosion and agility. You say that was a long time ago, but one of the things that is kind of interesting and one of the reasons why I've been drafting a lot of Raheem Mostert is that you know probably all listeners know that he had the top two times on field with the ball in his hands in 2020. Then he has the injuries last year, but in the Dolphins practices, even though they have Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, Mostert has had the top times on a lot of the days. He appears to have his burst back. Amir Abdullah, at this point, appears to have really distanced himself from the rest of their backs in terms of that receiving role. Again, you're looking at the fit in this format. Eno you know Benjamin's still there as we get to the on-the-clock in round
1: 18. Yeah, and he's an easy pick for me at this point. Ernest Johnson looked good in the preseason. You just had those other note, positive notes about some other backs. But Eno got the start, played the first six snaps, got three carries, only came out after back-to-back carries, and then Darrell Williams subbed in pretty much, to me, confirmed what we've been hearing, that he's sort of the number two.
2: And again, the offseason reports were glowing. He hasn't looked that amazing in the preseason games. I think we do have to admit that Jonathan Ward actually looks good. I mean, Daryl Williams is not the guy that I'm worried about, although just because he's not the guy I'm worried about doesn't mean he won't be the guy who ends up actually being the problem later on. Ward a little bit more of a size athleticism kind of guy has had some good special teams plays. He's someone who was active ahead of Benjamin when they were on the team as young players in the past, again, in part because of that special teams role. But in the last three years, I believe this Kyle Murray cliff Kingsbury offense has created 16 games with 20 or more points at the running back position five from Kenyon Drake from from James Connor, Three from Chase Edmonds, three from David Johnson. Even when it's tricky like this, and their rookie seventh round pick, Ingram also looked okay in the preseason game compared to some of their guys. So it's, I mean, it's just it's not clear at all. But you definitely want to have exposure to this
1: backfield. I love that. So we finish up with a two, six, eight, two build. Our quarterbacks were Burrow and Carr, our running backs Eckler, Jones, White, Carter. Jarek McKinnon and Eno you know, Benjamin, our receivers T. Higgins, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith Schuster, Traylon Burks, Romeo Dubs, Russell Gage, Paris Campbell, David Bell. Not our strongest receiver group. Again, <laughs> tight ends Darren Waller and TJ Hawkinson. Definitely some possibility we could get some flex action out of tight end. We're hoping with these top two running backs that we're getting them in the lineup every week. So there's some possibility that if we hit any of these late round running backs, we're flexing them in 0. 0.5 PPR as well. You've talked about this on some past shows. We're in 0. 0.5 PPR. Maybe we don't need to be quite as dominant at wide receiver. Yeah. And I think that mix is the part that we're
2: really looking for, especially that mix with some late season upside, Traylon Burks, Romeo Dobbs. then I, I can't believe you're saying that a team with Dobbs, and russell gage at a 30 pick discount is not strong at receiver at some point you know we're not drafting all stars my question for you though because we do have to make some late round picks and i, and I do think our late round picks were pretty fun i mean jared mckinnon you know benjamin i really like that michael carter maybe the starter for the new york jets uh he had some elite peripherals last season the part of the draft that I guess I'm not quite following is when we got on the clock in the second round, Javante Williams, Alvin Kamara, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, all available. How come you had me take Aaron Jones? <laughs>
1: yeah. Tough break there, but it is funny that we got Higgins in the third anyway. It's a really good team. We just need Aaron Jones to be the guy we were wrong about, and then we're going to win everything. <laughs> and it does make it more
2: fun for Sunday afternoons because you have that one exposure where you're like, man, if I'm wrong... That one is going to fix all the problems. Win the $2 million right there. Then also, there is a $1 million prize to the team that finishes first in the regular season. Explain to me why this couldn't be the
1: best of 450,000 teams this year. I mean, it's so good that even with that zero at tight end in week six, I think we're a lock for the regular season point total. We're trying to handicap, really, the the field to not, you know, to have a shot at that 1 million, but I mean, TJ Hawkinson, Darren Wall are going to finish one, two at tight end. So even taking that zero, our tight end points are going to be so strong. that. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's the zero. We're going to take a tight end shot. That's probably <laughs> what's going to preclude us from beating 450,000 teams in total points. We're going to,
2: we're going to come down. We're going to lose the top spot, finish second by three points having taken that zero Now the pressure is really on TJ Hawkinson. It's not us on us as the drafters who pick two guys with the same buy. It's on TJ Hawkinson. I mention all the time that what he needs is efficiency to balance out a profile that really puts him at a tier above the tight ends that he's going with. Now that you've had a chance to watch a couple of these preseason games and think a little bit more about how you're wrong on Jerry Goff. How are you seeing this offense play out? You mentioned early in the show that
1: you love Amon Ross St. Brown, and I think that's an excellent pick. Well, Amon Ra looks like, I mean, I, I just keep getting more excited about the late season stuff, which is maybe just sort of double counting a little bit. But he looks like, with Jamison Williams likely to be out for a, a long stretch, a guy that can really earn a lot of targets. Some of that is that I'm a little more pessimistic than you on Hawkinson. In terms of the fact that yes, his his profile looks fine, but I mean, you you said it's it's the same profile as guys going ahead of him. It's also the same profile as Pat Fryer move mostly. If you look behind him in terms of per route stuff, I I think Hawkinson is good. is is going to be solid. I think Amonra, You know, just seeing a little bit of him in preseason week one, I got pretty excited.
2: Wide open on those two plays
1: when the Lions went down and scored easily. He just looks. Like he's going to pick up where he left off last year, obviously he had a fantastic end of last season. And then you have, as I mentioned, the, the, the Jameson Williams injury sort of a lack of clear other targets, but, but outside of Amon Ra and TJ Hawkinson for most of the year, Jameson Williams could return at the right time to make some of these tournament teams that are going to, you know, potentially rely on a good Amin Ra season need other other production late if Jameson Williams comes in, comes in and, and starts to play really well down the stretch. Obviously, DeAndre Swift is going to be involved as well, but you know DJ Chark's been playing well. You're asking if I'm coming around on Jared Goff. I mean, I, it's the rushing with Goff. I, I think Goff can put up pretty solid pass numbers. He's got a lot of weapons. You just have such a higher bar to clear when you can't even run for like 50 yards for the whole season. <laughs> Not in the game. I mean, for the season, <laughs> And Amon Ra
2: in this draft goes go at the 502. That's directly after Terry McLaurin, who should, he should be definitely going ahead of. It's behind Jerry Judy and Rashad Bateman, two guys I still probably like a little bit more because I think they can maintain more of that volume down the stretch. Although Judy will have to play well to do that because there are a lot of options in the Broncos passing game as well. It seems like enthusiasm for Amon Ra has jumped a little bit with the news that Williams probably out until November and November is starting to get fairly deep into the season you start to get a little bit worried are you surprised that Hawkinson continues to fade doesn't isn't getting any of that bump and we're not even actually talking about you know going up around and a half or anything but I mean, his ADP which seemed very viable in the early 80s
1: has now slipped into the 90s yeah I mean I guess I just don't I mean, it's a fine. Price, I I guess, for Hawkinson, I I continue to go back to Fryermuth, which is maybe not the right way to think about it, but very similar profile, frankly, on a per route basis. I think Fryermuth going into week two might take us, excuse me, into year two, might take a step forward. We wanted that from Hawkinson going into year two, we wanted it from him going into year three. Haven't really seen that step forward, that next gear. I'm leaning more into the uncertainty later. Cheaper prices, right, for Friermuth, for Alberto, who we talked about. I guess I just don't really know why Hawkinson shouldn't be going even later. So it sounds to me like Ben is trying
2: to justify our previous timeout where we ended up with Friermuth in a recent draft that other than that pick was absolutely perfect. Also, I think maybe our, our dynasty share is trying to, to boost the value there a little bit. One of the reasons that we did take... Hawkinson, there in the eighth, is that it was a flat area. Dallas Goddard and Dawson Knox go in the same round. Hunter Hunter Renfro and Amari Cooper go a couple of picks afterward. Renfro, interesting again, probably more in full PPR uh, and not somebody that I really wanted on top of Darren Waller. Amari Cooper's price doesn't make any sense. George Pickens goes a few picks later. Tom Brady goes a few picks later. And the reason that we didn't draft him is because we were targeting Derek Carr. We got Carr in the middle of the 10th round. Our next selection after Hawkinson was Traylon Burks, a huge range of outcomes there to give you a little sense of the players. He's going with Marquez Valdez. Scantling went one pick before him. Josh Palmer went one pick after him. It's very possible that those guys pay off, especially in best ball and especially in a specific week. But yeah, I mean, it would be pretty disappointing if Burks doesn't end up with a volume profile in the second half of the season That is radically different than those two guys who are more third option types of players. Rondell Moore goes in the ninth round. Tyler Lockett goes in the ninth round. After that, Lockett, one of the most freezing cold players in all of fantasy this year. Ben, we did did have a couple of little gaffes, but this draft was extremely fun. I like our chances. I like our build.
1: Thanks for doing this. This was great. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. And we'll be back soon, shifting back or shifting away from the best ball stuff into the main event streets, which will be a lot of fun. We've got to draft a high-stakes team, talk through that. Won't be as much filibustering. Longer clocks over there. We'll actually get to consider our picks a little bit more. Very, very excited about those teams. Yeah, a lot of...
2: Great drafting coming up as we hit the height of draft season. As Ben mentioned in the intro, uh, we've both been doing an article or more a day. We've had a lot of fun with that. We appreciate all the great feedback. Enjoying these shows, the projecting round one and round two of 2023 are the two most recent shows that came out. We hope you like those. If you haven't checked them out, do so. Uh, Subscribe to the feed. You'll get those when they come out. We're following... A little bit of an accelerated tempo as we go through draft season here you won't miss any when you do that this exercise always a lot of fun i think that as we drafted today about 30 percent of the tournament still available for best ball mania 3 if you want to draft with us and actually beat us win the two million dollars instead you can use the code Rotoviz when you sign up get a 100 deposit match up to 100 dollars Please make sure you sign up for stealing signals. Sign up for stealing lines if you haven't done that. Join us over at Rotoviz. The coupon code for a ten percent discount there is RB Radio Twenty Twenty Two. Give us a rating and review. Jump in with us on the next one of these. We've got a lot of different projects coming. We love you guys. We'll jump.
3: mypatriotsupply.com